grief shows up in so many different ways. Um, it can show up in restlessness, in anxiety, um, stress, uh, in ac different activities and habits and patterns, you know, retail therapy, consumption, <laughs> um, disorders, addiction, um, anger. All of these things are signs, can be signs of grief. And it really does stay in our bodies. Welcome to the Way of the Healer Conversations for Change podcast. I'm your host, Darieth Chisholm. Here, you'll meet some of the world's most extraordinary thought leaders and experts, iconic artists and creators, top performing athletes, successful entrepreneurs, philanthropists, spiritual teachers, shamans, healers, and many, many more. They sit with me, an Emmy award-winning TV host and former news anchor turned filmmaker and life and business coach for some powerful conversations for change. What are these conversations about? Healing. Healing. Healing all aspects of our mind, body, soul, spirit, this planet, each other, and the systems and structures we're currently living in. You'll learn about topics like plant medicine and psychedelics, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, conscious communication, the new earth, quantum leaping, multidimensional living, pleasure, play, and sexuality, breath work, sound healing, food and supplements, and ah, there's just so much. You're just going to need to subscribe to the channel and listen. Come with me now behind the curtain to get the backstory on how and why these remarkable people heal themselves and others, how they lead, what makes them tick, what lights them up, gets them down, keeps them going, and what they believe is the way of the healer. So let's go. If you are currently experiencing any form of grief or perhaps even trying to heal from grief, you're going to want to watch and listen to this episode. My guest, Marta Napoleon Mazzoni, and I explore the importance of normalizing grief. Marta is a grief recovery specialist, life coach, meditation guide, and play facilitator, who after losing her sister Nina to lymphoma, led her to incorporate a new dimension into her work, helping individuals rediscover joy and their true selves after experiencing loss. She uses four pillars in her approach to healing with grief, explorative travel, meditative awareness, structured support, and creative play. And through these pillars, Marta says, she's able to guide people on a transformative journey of healing and self-discovery. During our discussion, we dive into a range of fascinating topics. Marta talks about her own journey of becoming a grief recovery specialist and coach, along with her mission to change the way we grieve by moving from slowly focusing on sadness to finding the beauty within it. And we discuss the power of play and meditation to help heal while grieving. It's a fascinating conversation for change, and I'm excited to get to it right now. Plant medicine, psychedelics, and cannabis have really helped me deepen my meditation practice and morning routine. And while you don't necessarily need our plant natural allies to assist you in meditation, I find that with meditation, I'm able to have more clarity, direction, 
purpose and allow divine guidance and wisdom to flow through me. Stillness and quieting the mind allows you to access more of who and what you truly are. And that's where you can activate more creative expression and fulfillment of your dreams. As a gift to you, my friends, I've designed a special high frequency activation to help you encode, embrace, and elevate your consciousness to ignite your creativity and passion. It's free and available for a limited time. Go to dariuth.com forward slash meditations to receive a guided meditation series with journal prompts and attuned high frequency sound waves. That's dariuth.com forward slash meditations. You know, I, I believe that our ability to handle our emotions, uh, whether they're good emotions, bad emotions, happiness, grief, is so important. And it's so connected, obviously, to how our bodies, um, you know, materialize the pain or the grief that we're going through. I know as a grief spe specialist, you work in a variety of different ways, but tell me how you've come to discover that and maybe what your notion is about how grief and pain can show up in the, in the physical body. So first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I, I really didn't know what grief was honestly. Uh, I'm 41 years old. I, I've never heard the term grief before my sister died. So my sister Nina got diagnosed with lymphoma in uh, 2021, right in the height of COVID. And it floored us. We were not, you know, we weren't surrounded by cancer. We hadn't had anything like that happen in our lives before in terms of like a loss like this. And that is when I started to educate myself about what grief really was um, and how the word grief doesn't show up a lot in our language. And I also noticed that there was a history of losses that we each carry with us from childhood. So grief is the natural, very natural reaction to change or loss, a disruption. Um, and that that's what we carry from losses, but there's over 40 different kinds of losses that we go through throughout our lives that result in grief. So for me, it really started to show me the different losses of my life and those kind of pivotal moments that I really didn't, I, I didn't heal from, you know, I had a, a heartbreak, um, or I explored different ways of healing after the loss, but I didn't know I was doing it. I didn't know what it was. It didn't have a name. Uh, and now that it does, it's, for me, it's something that I am very passionate about doing this work is to normalize talking about it and normalize talking about grief um, and really shine some light on the myths and misinformations that we've had growing up surrounding loss and grief and yeah, and I, I grief 
shows up in so many different ways. Um, it can show up in restlessness, in anxiety, um, stress, uh, in ac different activities and habits and patterns, you know, retail therapy, consumption, <laughs> um, disorders, addiction, um, anger. All of these things are signs, can be signs of grief. And it really does stay in our bodies. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day of rethinking the way that we think of pain. Uh, you know, we think of pain as the first thing that comes to mind, it's physical. But really something that you go to bed with every night that you can't stop obsessing about or a habit you just can't break or not being able to move, you know, not, not having momentum or inspiration, that is also pain. You know, that is, that's crazy. Yeah, that the pain being the manifestation of something that is much more deep and in many instances perhaps related to grief that had not been properly dealt with. And as you point out, having the opportunity to normalize grief. Grief is the byproduct of, of losing something. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's that perhaps we just don't know how to deal with it. Exactly. Yeah, we're not equipped to deal with it. Uh, one of the first things that I learned going through, you know, the to become a grief specialist is a grief recovery specialist is that we have to relearn everything that we know, everything that we've been taught. So old habits, old beliefs, familial, generational habits and misinformation that we've had. And it's no one's fault. There was really just not the correct information out there. But that results in people feeling shame, feeling regret, uh, feeling um, incomplete is the way that I like to explain it. Uh, you feel incomplete, like you have, things could have been better, different, or more. So yes, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big thing in our lives. It's kind of like an elephant in the room and no one, no one really wants to talk about it. And I, I felt the calling to step into it because when I was going through it, I couldn't really find anybody approachable that I wanted to work with, um, that had a little bit more levity to bring to the subject. So yeah. <laughs> and it was, as you pointed out, your sister's death that for you introduced you to uh, this level of grief that perhaps you'd never experienced before. Um, you know, I can attest to my mother's recent passing and understanding that level of grief and it being, I, I, you know, I knew I would grieve, but I wasn't quite sure that that was going to be the experience. And, um, you know, I, it, it begs the question of having more open conversations about what grief is and how it comes on and normalizing it and having the tools and the resources to move through it. 
So as a grief recovery specialist, what type of work do you do with people to have them identify grief, work with it, normalize it, and then learn to recover from it? So I started off, before I did this, I had moved into, um, you know, I had a podcast just like you, and I was interested in traveling and all of these things. And then I moved into traveling in a different sort of way. Um, whether it be exploratory travel or internal travel. So I started coaching people and I started offering meditation um, after finding it myself and really needing it after a car accident. And so I integrate those into grief recovery. And when people come to me, we basically take the journey together to see where they are and for me, and it's different for everybody, but for me, I see it um, in kind of two places uh, when people come to me. They are either in, can I swear on this podcast? Sure. Is this, a, they're, they're either in the shit, I like to say, you know, that, that like heartbreak place, uh, you know, they are suffering they have gone through some sort of loss, be it divorce, be it moving from a house, you know, something, all the things that result in loss. And when I meet people there, I call it um, foundations, where we go through a program that I took myself called the grief recovery method. Uh, so it's the only evidence-based program out there um, proven to heal the unresolved pain surrounding grief. And so we walk through that. We walk through the method, either one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting, whichever they're more comfortable with. And then from there, we work on integration work, what comes after. And that is the second kind of category. I like to call it the snow globe category because for me, that's what kept coming up when I had reached a point in my grief where um, I just felt stuck. Like I felt like I hit a wall. Um, it, I felt uh, I was ready to do something and I had no idea what it was. Um, I was, I was, it was stuck in transition, I like to say. And so when I meet people where they are in kind of like the snow globe, place we work on accountability we work on awareness through meditation we work on um opening up their creative selves um you know i send them on quests to like travel outside of their comfort zones because that's how i healed started to heal from my first loss for my first heartbreak was to travel to get out go on a solo adventure um and we kind of work through it together. Yeah, it's interesting how there's so many different tools and processes that we can use to heal. Uh, obviously, on on this podcast, we uh, the way of the healer. We we spend a lot of time talking about plant medicine, psychedelics, cannabis, crystals, breath work, meditation. The, the list goes on, and um, play and creativity are also healing modalities. They really are. Um, I'm so happy you mentioned that. That is 
a big part of my world um, and what I offered. Because before my sister died, I, I was very playful, very create, creative um, and exploratory. Um, when she died, I found myself becoming extremely serious, like falling into the seriousness. And I kept hearing her in my head, play more, play more. Marta, play more. What are you doing? Play more. You know, this is, you can have both. You can be serious and you can play, but there is importance in play. And I don't think it's stressed enough, um, enough as adults, how important play is to healing. And so I have a background in theater and I began taking improv and getting more into that. And so I started working in schools um, and corporations and events to bring play and mindfulness to people to forge creativity and connection uh, with the underlying goal to connect and to heal because that is a form of healing it's it's we're in such a disconnected world <laughs> and to watch someone's eyes just light up again is magic it magic it makes me so happy and that you know that's the beauty of play yeah did you know that beyond this podcast that I help busy entrepreneurs, storytellers, artists, creatives, and healers who might be feeling a little bit bored and burnt out and trying to figure out what to do next and what's my purpose in life, really find those answers? How? Oh, I say it's through shifting. It's just a matter of shifting your vibration and your frequency to higher states of consciousness and awareness in order to find the answers and live the life that we truly desire to live. So if you want to become a deliberate conscious creator who is enjoying the creations and the manifestations that you are experiencing in life, then I invite you to be a part of a very special five-week intensive. You can get all the details at dariuth.com forward slash shift to learn more. You can experience wholeness, personal freedom, expanded states of creativity, confidence, and flow while achieving your goals and flourishing in your unique gifts and talents. After this podcast episode, please head over to dariuth.com forward slash shift to learn more about it. When you're working with clients who are in deep levels of grief and they are it's like the tape is playing in their head of whatever it is that they're grieving and they, they, they can't shut it out. They can't shut the noise out. Um, they, they, they are, they feel as if they are trapped in whatever it is that is bringing on the grief. What are some of the things that you would encourage someone to do as a means of moving out of that outside of play and creativity and mindfulness? Absolutely. I would get up and take a walk simple um and actionable i i know it is often overlooked but i believe the simplest things are often the things that we forget uh that help us right away it's movement movement it is 
a breath of fresh air, get into nature, take a walk, um, take comfort where you can. And just know that, know that the storm will pass because a lot of the misinformation that we have about grief is that it is linear, uh, that it follows this path, these stages through grief. And it doesn't. It's a spiral. It's more of a spiral. So you can go up or you go down uh, or more like a wave. So I try to tell people it will pass. You know, feel your feelings and, and don't shut them down. Yeah, don't that's... shut your feelings down. Let the Let the tears come and let them be seen and witnessed because that's grief needs to be witnessed in order to heal. It's interesting too that I find that what can sometimes happen for people is is there is the grieving period, but then there is the shame that oh, yeah. people feel for grieving. Uh, and then there is the victim shaming. Oh, shouldn't you be over this? Oh, oh. I can't believe you're still dealing with this. That also worsens the process for healing for people. Yes. Uh, one of the biggest misinformations is, um, or myths about grief is that you move on from grief and you don't, you don't move on from grief. You can heal the pain, the pain, you know, that, that repetition in your head or, um, you can heal that, but you don't move on. And in our society, it is, it is a couple different things. And, and for me, it was the misinformation of don't be a burden. You know, I grew up with that. Don't be a burden. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear what you're, you know, it, we don't want to burden you with what I'm going, with what I'm going through. Let's just talk like nothing, nothing's wrong. And also a big problem that I see in my clients when they come to me is everyone does expect me to move on. I feel bad talking about my husband or I feel bad talking about, I feel like a broken record. And it's because they feel like that, that that's just our society that's what we've learned. That is exactly what we've learned. And we've learned time heals all wounds. That's not true. Time doesn't heal all wounds. They can actually make them worse if you don't uh, seek care for them when you are wounded. Um, the great part is that there are ways to heal. That is the wonderful part. And it doesn't matter how long ago your loss was. And in fact, a lot of people, what I get is like, oh, that was a long time ago. You know, my mom died a long time ago, or my dad, my father passed away a long time, or I, or I broke up with him a long time ago. And, and then I talked to him, I'm like, do you, do you still dream of them? Are there, is there still things that you wish you could have told them is there anything that you wish that you that would have been better different or more and 100% of the time it is absolutely 
Yeah, and so I wonder too with this idea that we normalize grief is that it's something that perhaps can begin in conversations with children when they're young and maybe not processing something as big as a loved one's death, but something that for them is a sign of grief because there's some loss or some experience that gets covered up, like don't cry, you know, don't, you know, what's wrong with you? You shouldn't be, be a big girl or, you know, be a big boy and not them not even being able to handle the smaller things that in their minds might be associated with what we would call grief. But those early, the, those early childhood experiences of not uh, working through or integrating whatever the experience is later when we become adults and have this massive thing that, that grief it, that we feel grief, we didn't learn the skills when we were younger. Oh, yes. Thank you. Absolutely. It's, um, so I am taking the next course, the certification, uh, to be trained in a program called helping children with loss. Um, you know, like when children grieve and the interesting thing about the program is that it's not for children. It's for adults, helping them, giving them the tools and the language and the communication that we weren't given, um, at least, you know, a vast majority of us weren't given when we were younger and we're doing the work now, which is 12 billion times harder when you're older. It's like relearning dance steps that you, learned incorrectly and going back and taking the class. But imagine if we could hand these successful communication tools to our children and how emotionally healthy and prepared for life they will be growing up. And you're exactly right, Darius. It's it, it is. Don't cry. Uh, grieve alone. You know, go, your mom just needs some time. Your mom just needs some time alone right now. Be strong for your mother. Be strong for your father. These are things that are very common uh, that children learn that we grow up with. And now we have to relearn that, that it's misinformation that actually holds, it holds us back from healing because of the shame we feel it, it gets, it's a roadblock in the way of our healing. And all it is, is just relearning and giving those tools to kids is invaluable to yeah. me. What uh, are, I love working with children. What are some of the tools that we can pass along to our children to help them to handle loss and grief? It is a lot of modeling modeling behavior um you know your children listen to you but they take they take what you're doing and they model it um so i personally uh, when i work with people with children i i ask them about their own self-care how are they treating themselves how are they communicating with their husband how are they communicating with their friends um and really hand them some of this information that corrects the information that we had already been given and that they can, uh, 
practice with their children because it takes practice like anything it, it's a it's a relationship it's going to take it's going to feel awkward and weird because it's going to question the way that you were raised but the result of it is not just um helping your children communicate for them to grow up healthy but but to really engage with your children because children are so smart i mean they're so smart they're so intuitive they're in their hearts they're not in their heads yet right um they're open they 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 say what they see you know um they're not afraid to have these conversations what ends up standing in their way and ultimately and as adults is that they end up getting this misinformation and they end up not trusting parental figures because they were told something different than the way people act um, and or even trusting themselves to handle yeah. their own emotions because they get they, they are told that's wrong or bad and then they begin to disconnect from what they innately may have the skills to deal with and then that gets cut off and then then they can't trust themselves let alone the adults around them absolutely i a lot of people think i just work with women but a large pop population of my clientele are men because that that be strong you know that don't cry it was very prominent, um, very prominent in male culture. And relearning that's really hard to hear. Yeah. I think they struggle with it a lot. Why do we make crying such a bad thing? I don't know. It's the same as laughter. It's an expression of emotion. <laughs> I actually saw, um, where was I? I can't remember where I was. I was getting my hair cut, but I want to I want to get it. It was a tissue box prominently displayed in this very public place. And it said, cry proudly. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, I tell people don't don't hide your tears. I I I welcome them. Um, you know, it's not a party if you're not you're not crying. I told that once too in my class. I was like, it's not a party if you're not crying because they they can be good. They're an expression of release. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine that, particularly when someone is moving through a great deal of grief, and those the early phases are probably the tears, and then whatever phases of emotions that people go through for grief. But when we don't even let that part happen, it's probably really hard to even move through the, the next phases. And then that ultimately perhaps get locked into the body. And it was what I asked at the, the first question is like, and then it, it presents itself as pain and other trauma that um, manifests, but that ultimately may have just simply been an act of not being able to fully release and embrace that initial moment of grief. Yes. You're exactly right. Uh, I mentioned that I, you know, kind of the two phases, uh, the programs that I work with, with people, the snow globe and the foundations, I was working with a woman that thought she was in the snow globe and through awareness, um, through like meditation, through talking together, she realized she was not that she needed to build the foundation of her house 
before she painted the walls. She was painting the walls. She was mm. picking out paint colors, <laughs> but the foundation was crumbling. Yeah. And so we went back to foundations and it's that that's really what it is is finding that that awareness of where you are is invaluable yeah so your path to even being in this space as you talked about earlier you you, you know were busy doing other things and unfortunately when your sister passed and you you had to process her own grief grief did you discover that this was an opportunity for you not only to heal yourself but, but ultimately heal others. Does it surprise you that you're now on this path or this way oh, yeah. of healing um, and, and discovering your own self-healing and then obviously offering healing to others? Absolutely. I had no intention. No one really wants, you don't really choose this. I, I feel like it chooses you. Um, I went through the grief recovery method and I was you know, I was into meditation. I was, I was, I'm a yoga teacher. I, I, I love self-healing, um, but also knowing when to ask for help. Right. I have my therapist, I have all of these things and I went through the method. And then when the training came up to be certified as a specialist, I had no intention of helping others with it. I really wanted to learn more and deepen my understanding. And I thought at the very least, it would help me be a better person, like listen more and um, and know more about this subject. And so I went in with that attitude. And even in my first pilot group, I went in being like, I don't know how I'm going to feel after this does this bring me joy and meaning because it has to do both now for me it's not just one or the other and and it does and i get the question a lot like doesn't it make you sad all the time and i tell people that no it doesn't i mean it does it doesn't make it does make me sad um but it also makes me joyful because the people that are that take this step to heal themselves are some of the most courageous and brave people I have ever seen in my life and I know they don't look at it that way because I didn't and I kind of you know we how we talk to ourselves is a thing I kind of still don't but from my perspective it is it's very brave it's very courageous because I get to witness the beauty in grief. Like they say, the beauty in the breakdown, it, it really is. It's, it's beautiful. I think it's very hopeful and, and, and joyous. And, um, and then watching people afterwards, like this blanket that they've been carrying is just off. It's just not heavy, as heavy anymore. Um, and they can really live fully again. And that that is wonderful to me. And it reminds me of me. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's all the, of it. Are the, so, so once you learn these tools for recovering from grief, uh, are they tools that people can use 
for the next bout of grief because that next bout could be something different. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one, but then maybe there's a divorce or whatever. And like once you can use them and and I will ask you to to go back and then maybe qualify what the tools are. But but they can once you understand how to use them, that you can use them going forward with whatever grief that you might experience in the future. Absolutely. Uh, That is the number one reason why I chose to teach it because I I don't believe that you should need to come back to something all the time everything has a time and a place and a timeline um and with the grief recovery method they literally hand you the tools to work on a relationship at a time so that's what happens you work on one relationship one relationship that that's really eating at you. And then you can work on the next one and they they show you how to do that. And they show you, they break it down into this program showing you how to do that so that you know, and you're also aware of what's coming up within you and how to identify it and name it, which is really important. Um, that is really invaluable. Uh, for example, and it, this helped me when I was going through, but I chose a person to do my next grief recovery method with, um, that was still, that was alive and present in my life. And I didn't know what the problem was with this person. I had a hard time saying, I love you. I had a a hard time um, being present in their company. I I felt, it felt sticky. Do you know what I mean? And there was grief there. That, that was signs of unresolved grief. I had things that needed to be expressed that were unresolved. And the only way to do that is to heal the emotions within yourself. So it offers you these tools, not just to work with people that are passed away, um, but that people that are living and they don't need to know you're working on them. (laughs) You know, you don't call them up and tell them because it's really about our emotional reactions. And so, yeah, I think handing the tools for people with the method is, is that identity, identifying where it is, having a program that works, that's proven to work. And then for the snow globe, it is handing them meditations that they can do, giving them activities they can do, giving like handing them a toolkit of what to do when you're in a slump or if you need a boost or here's book materials that helped, um, just pointing them in the right direction. Hmm. And so what are, like if you can just share some of the initial tools uh, that that people use through this program, uh, what are some of those? So the tools for the grief recovery method are uh, awareness and relearning. Um, Number one, I can't stress enough, the it has to come first is the relearning of the misinformation. and the myths that we've been told. So we 
we go through it and we un we break them we like unpack them and we talk directly with of what you learned what did you grow up with what what are some of the things and how can we identify them how can we kick up the dust and shake them off and realize that they are holding us back because we have so much shame for how we're feeling uh so that's tool number one um, number two is these actionable structures that the grief recovery method goes through to heal the pain of a of a significant loss in your life uh, so you also get the handbook to to walk you through it to come back to every time you can reference it you can go back there's hundreds of resources online um, you know if you are in an area where you are looking for a grief recovery specialist there's there's there are they are out there um, you know they are out there uh, so they offer a plethora of tools on the grief recovery method on their website uh, and then for the snow globe phase it is really reaching out to friends reaching out uh, asking for help and knowing it's not shameful to ask for help that's a hard lesson. That was a hard one for me to learn. You know, it is something to be said about our inability and or our um, reluctance to ask for help. Yeah, it comes back to the grieve alone, actually. We're taught to grieve alone. You know, other people, the, you don't want to be a burden. And it's also something that I would love to address here because uh, I hear this a lot in people that really want to take the program um, or really want to find help somewhere and they say I don't have time I don't have time I have to check with my husband I have to check with my kids it's not fair to them it's not fair to them to take this time and I I can't stress enough that it's it, it's that relearning that you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to take self-love first. And that is unselfish. It's not selfish. It's unselfish. Because by doing this work and healing this pain, it affects, it is a ripple across a lake. It affects every relationship that you touch where you're able to show up more present, more more in love with people um, and having grace for other people because you found the grace for yourself first, mm. which is, we just didn't, you know, we didn't learn this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that as we all are healing whatever fractured wounds or ancestral uh, you know trauma that we might have and then whatever current uh, grief or, or issues that we're having is that this this process of healing is in my opinion should be very natural it should occur every single day um, and not from the standpoint that you're sick and need to be healed but that just as you talked about normalizing grief I think normalizing healing is important because we've got to heal from all of the stuff that is happening in this lifetime, let alone anything in the previous lifetimes, and how to help the people around us 
also process and heal. Because as you pointed out earlier, it, it is modeling is so very important. And how can parents or adults or friends or neighbors or anyone model something to someone else that they haven't done for themselves? So this ideal of he healing, um, as, as I see it, ought to be an everyday thing too, uh, just so that we can, we can balance and keep moving in the world. Absolutely. I, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. How, how can we talk the talk, but not walk the walk? Right. And it's, uh, there's, there's a disconnect there. And what I tell people and what I try and live by when I, especially when I am in a funk, cause you're gonna, you're gonna be in a funk. It's gonna happen. You're gonna have, I have three days of fog, <laughs> three days of fog, but you know what I did 1% better. Just yeah. do something small. It's a small step. Uh, I used to say after my podcast, keep it moving was like my tagline. And now I feel like it is keep it moving one small step at a time. <laughs> because you have to, it's, it's, it's one thing after another. And soon those things won't feel so hard, yeah. but that progress is, is there and it's okay. It's yeah. okay to not be okay. It is. It's okay to not be okay and to seek the help that you need and to find whatever modality of healing is going to be important for you um, and, and then utilizing it, right? And then feeling free to utilize it and giving yourself the space and the time and the wherewithal to heal through whatever trauma or pain or grief that is present in your life. And so the type of work that you're doing is just so very important and utilizing the steps that you've learned in the program and then adding in play and creativity and mindfulness and, and movement being uh, so, so valuable for people. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I really do. It, it, it gets, it, I don't want to say it gets me out of bed in the morning, but that my husband, my dog, my friends, my family, um, I'm very grateful. They for, might keep you out of bed. <laughs> it may, yes, it keeps me out of bed. Yeah, but yeah, it's been it's been a ride. It's you know, and I'm just trying to enjoy that journey. Yeah. Well, as you on your journey are now finding yourself as uh, a healer uh, who has who is working to uh, heal yourself, uh, what would you define as the way of the healer? I would say the way of the healer is someone who is extremely curious about themselves, about connecting with an open heart with others and passing on the knowledge that they've learned without trying to fix anyone, you know, without trying to fix anyone. Um, and try to have an open heart. Yeah, and connect soul to soul. Mm, so, so, so very beautiful. 
For all of you all who are listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube, we will have all of Marta's information available so that you can connect with her, learn more about the work that she's doing uh, in her other various activities. And certainly whatever podcast platform you're listening to or listening on, um, please do us a huge favor and subscribe. And definitely if you're on YouTube, subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you'll be notified about upcoming episodes. Marta, before we wrap, any last minute um, thoughts that you might want to share with us? Um, I don't think so. I would just tell people, you know, find what, what works for you until it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. It's okay to move past things and get out there and explore, you know, yeah. even if it's just in your hometown, um, just a change of scenery can really shake things up and help and and just pulling yourself out of the everyday done like adulting mm -hmm. that we have to do bills and things um just allows you to see more clearly and get that maybe you just need that breath of fresh air uh and clarity in order to take the next step that you need yeah and definitely give yourself the permission to cry and mm -hmm. ask for help yes yeah, certainly. Thank you so much for being on today. It's such a delight to talk with you and certainly to learn more about your resources for helping people to heal through trauma and pain and grief. We do appreciate it. And for all of you all watching and listening, thank you so much. Make sure that you're subscribed. Can't wait to share another amazing story with you on future episodes of The Way of the Healer. Did you know this podcast is a part of an even larger docu-series? Yep, there is an entire documentary underway called The Way of the Healer, where I introduce you to extraordinary women from around the world who are transforming lives with the use of plant medicine and psychedelics. You can learn more about it at thewayofthehealer.com. Thanks for being a part of my day and for listening. Be sure to check out the website, thewayofthehealer.com, for more details, useful tools and links, free resources, and more. Disclaimer, the Way of the Healer Conversation for Change podcast and its host and guests are providing this information for educational purposes only. We do not condone nor condemn the selling, purchase, or use of any substances that are considered outside of legal acquisition or usage. We encourage discretion and safety when involving yourself or others with substances and activities that are deemed illegal by your official local government laws and agencies. It is your responsibility to research and know applicable laws.